0: Welcome to King's River Life's Mystery Rats Maze podcast, where we share with you mystery short stories and first chapters of mystery novels read by local actors. Now, This episode features the first chapter of the mystery novel, The Roman Heir, by Zara Altair. It's read by local actor Kelly Ventura. The Roman Heir by Zara Altair was published by Fervent Crux Press in July of 2017. Meet Argolikos, a learned man who turned detective at the bidding of
1: neighbors who know him as trustworthy, wise, and fair. His tools are the logic of Aristotle, the self-restraint of Epictetus, the theology of Arius, and the empirical insights of Marcus Aurelius, all sharpened to an edge by wry humor and ferocious curiosity. He collects evidence, deciphers politics, and digs into the deepest secrets of the human heart. The Roman heir is the first in the Argolicos mystery series where murder and politics collide. The words were not as cold as the Roman winter air, but they stung Argolikos. You see, Boethius said, leaning toward Argolicos in a confidential manner, Rome is a closed community. When someone like you, whose family lineage is not from one of the great families of Rome and as a newcomer attempts to take on a centuries old Roman position, you set yourself up for strife. You are wise to retire. Go back to your provincial, Brutea, and live as local nobility. Argolikos watched from the palatial villa on the Cilian hill as gentle snowflakes fell on the city and the forum below. He stood on a balcony where Boethius had led him just minutes before. Behind them loomed a grand study filled with manuscripts and books. Boethius carefully peeled an apple the skin curling off onto the floor at his feet. Agolikos knew everything Boethius was saying, and they echoed his reasons for leaving. He also knew Boethius, so he waited for him to get to the point. "'The same talents that make you a good judge,' Boethius continued. "'Hamper your political power.' You read people, you consider all possibilities, you listen carefully to all sides, you weigh outcomes, and in politics you must make a decision, move quickly, ignore repercussions, and strike. Agologos recognized his political failings and felt the sting of being blocked on more than one occasion by the powerful families of Rome and the prelates of the church. Go back to your home, enjoy your studies, Boethius said as he cut off a small section of apple. I have a parting gift for you. He bent to the table and lifted a book, handing it to Argolikos. One of the richest men in Rome, Boethius, loved books as much as Argolikos did. Perhaps even more. Argolikos looked down at the small book, almost a pamphlet, but covered in leather. I translated it, Boethius said as he looked down at the book. Aristotle's Categories. I know you are one of the few left who read Greek, but... "'I thought you might like it for your collection.' "'Truly pleased,' Argolikos smiled. "'Thank you. I I will read it in solitude without the endless sessions of reading Greek aloud.' "'Ah, Nicholas,' Boethius said, reading Argolikos' mind. "'He is a taskmaster.' "'Argolikos' tutor and lifelong companion waited for Argolikos somewhere in the villa. "'He is,' Argolikos said, smiling. "'But without him my Greek would suffer.' The two men stood looking out over a wintry Rome. "'I'm wondering,' Boethius said. "'Are you going by ship or by land?' "'Oh, quickly, by sea, portus to Schiace.' "'Then I'd ask you for a lammel.' "'Yes?' I have uh, another copy for a young scholar. I'm wondering if you could deliver it for me. Uh, Books are so precious, I dislike just sending them. Plus, uh, you would like the lad. He loves to read and think. Why, where is he? "'He lives in Ostia, in the old family villa, a large domus in the centre of the city. "'His father is a friend of Asimicus, and I thought... "'Ah, here it was. Politics. Even as he was leaving Rome, one last push. "'Of course, I'll take it. We were leaving in four days, but I could leave tomorrow and, and stop to deliver the book. "'What's his name?' Servius Norbanus Philo, he is the son of Pius. Argolicus knew this errand tied him to Roman aristocracy, another wealthy and old family. Servius Norbanus Pius had inherited a shipping business that had grown with the stability of King Theodoric's rule. In Rome, his home was near Boethius, on the Caelian hill, but one of the reasons for his success was his constant presence in Ostia, near the huge shipping centre Portus, to personally oversee shipping business. Philo, he said. I'll make sure he receives your gift. Servius Nobanus Philo met Agolicos in his father's study and office. The young man was lost amid a collection of carved ivory, large enameled plaques, "'Colored glass vases, marble figurines, brass figurines, gold figurines, cast bronze sculptures, tiny enamel boxes, gilt boxes set with gems, silver trinkets, and one elephant tusk displayed on a high shelf. "'He appeared very young, seventeen or so. His dark brown eyes were fringed with long, equally dark lashes.' His dark hair was cut in the Roman style with a cap around his head, and his olive complexion was sallow with grief and shock. He looked at the book Agolikos had handed to him with a blank stare. My father was killed this morning. I can't focus. Boethius is kind. He said in a deep, rich voice, belying his slight stature. I shall write my thanks. He looked up from the book. His gaze slid over Nicholas. Argolikos to the slave, who stood waiting near the entry from the atrium next to a large marble statue of Venus. Finally, he focused on Argolikos. And you are kind to take time to make a delivery in your period of transition. Boethius has a way of getting his way, Argolikos said, smiling. But it, it was no inconvenience. He does, Philo said. I wish I had half of his "'Persuasive talent, because right now I'd like to ask you for your help.' "'He looked as though tears were near. "'My help?' "'Yes. "'Even I know your reputation. "'You discover things, you know people, you treat all parties fairly. "'Philo, I'm flattered by your admiration, but I have left my appointment in Rome. "'I'm here in Ostia to go home without any title.' "'I have the family estate. "'I I am uncomfortable as it is "'intruding on your family "'when your father was found murdered "'just this morning. "'I feel I have no place here.' "'There. "'You see?' Philo said. "'What if Boethius were asking you "'for the same request? "'How would he ask you? "'My father's been killed, "'and I need your help.' "'Blood. "'There was so much blood.' "'He closed his eyes Agolikos thought the boy was not as inept at manipulation as he believed he was. Why not use the local pro-magistrate? Who who knows what this investigation will take? He's on vacation in the south, chasing the warm weather. Our families left with the local militia. They narrow their activities to apprehension, not investigation. Agolikos felt the draw of a puzzle pulled in a breath and glanced at Nicholas. "'Where did it happen?' "'Right behind your slave in the atrium. I was coming to meet him before he got busy. He said I was too young to go to the games in Rome by myself. I wanted to ask him one more time. It's January. Young people have fun. I wanted to know what it's like to be free for just a few days.' Nicholas was already in the atrium, examining the dizzy mosaic pattern on the floor. His middle aged but lithe body moved as he scanned the expansive floor. Philo said, We well, moved the body and cleaned the floor. He probably won't find anything. Where is your father's body now? May I look at it? We can leave my tutor to discover what he will in the atrium, Argodikos asked, submitting to the pull of the murder and solving the puzzle. As much as Servius Norbanus Pius was a private citizen, his shipping business kept Rome supplied with goods. Murder was a private family matter under the law, but when it affected the public good, then the promagistrate initiated public legal investigations. The young man came out from behind the large table covered in papers and trinkets and appeared to grow in stature and age separated from his father's large collection. His golden-toned voice resonated among the treasures. Is in cubiculum. Philo strode out to the large study across the atrium and led Agolikos to a small room on the opposite side. Servius Nobanus Pius was laid out on a table. His body was stripped, and slaves were washing with care. Ask them to leave, Agolikos said. He crossed the room to the body. I, I can't look, Philo said, and rushed from the room. The body was deep pink on top, face, chest, thighs, and white on the bottom along the back. Blood had settled as Pius lay face down on the ground. Argolikos saw five stab wounds in his chest and a large slash across the man's neck. Why didn't Philo mention how brutal this was? Bruises marked his shoulders and arms, spotting purple against the white skin. Argolikos picked up the right hand. The fingers and wrist were stiff, but he saw scrapes and raw patches around the knuckles, and the right palm was slashed. He moved around the table. The left hand was also marked with scrapes, but was clutched tight and closed. Agodikos tried to open the fingers to see what was in the grip, but the fingers were too stiff to move. He stood back for an overview, and a sadness at the human condition overwhelmed him as he looked at the evidence of violence. When he left the room, he found Philo sitting on the edge of the pool near the atrium. Tiny snowflakes glittered in the light as they fell into the pool. The pale winter light from the open roof overhead highlighted the youth's body hunkered in dejection. Philo looked up as Argolikos crossed to the pool. I couldn't bear to see him like that, and the punctures in his skin. The body looked like my father, but... It it wasn't my father. It was a thing. He stood up to face Agolikos. His face was set and grim, seeming to have lost the sorrow when he first met Agolikos. The death was violent, Agolikos said, still in his sorrow for the human condition. It is hard to see. I've seen more than one. Each time I feel sorrow, guilt, shame for our condition. The first dead body I saw was my father, although he was not murdered, I... Remember how I felt? I was about your age. Philo's eyes widened, and he blurted. He was. I know how you feel. I will help you until it is time for me to meet the boat. Maybe by then the magistrate will arrive. Philo looked relieved. My sister is with my mother. My uncle will be here soon from Portus. Argolikos said, I will speak with everyone. "'Yes, my uncle has his own family, but my father was paterfamilias.' He nodded toward a statue near the back of the atrium, a likeness of pious, fully clothed and looking regal. A slave quietly crossed the atrium toward the back bedrooms, glancing at Philo. "'I'll talk to them all later. From the state of his body, it looks as though your father died in the early morning. Did you hear anything?' "'No, my room is upstairs.' Philo nodded toward the back wall of the atrium father's room is downstairs. There would have to be a lot of noise for me to hear something. Master, Nicholas called from the garden. Master, I have found something. Philo and Agolikos hurried to the peristylum. Agolikos saw the main courtyard, the large pool, columns surrounding the pool, and a garden with many bare shrubs and some small plants surrounding the marble courtyard. Over here! called Nicholas. He stood up in the corner of the room, near the other passageway from the atrium. "'There's blood here on the ground, and splatters on the marble,' Philo blurted. "'But I found him in the atrium.' "'Well, look,' Agolikos said as he moved toward Nicholas. Philo followed with a puzzled frown. "'Here,' Nicholas said, and pointed to the ground. Agolikos looked down and saw the blood, now mostly dry-spattered on the leaves of a small plant, on the soil, in the ground, and splatters on the marble. He looked to his left and saw the hallway to the servant entrance. Is that locked at night? Philo nodded his head. Yes, the porter locks it and then goes to his room by the vestibule and the front door. Algolikos looked at the blood and saw light smears here and there in the atrium passageway where someone had tried to wipe up the blood. Where did you find your father? Philo looked through the passageway to the atrium and pointed— Straight ahead, by the atrium pool. As Argonikos followed his direction, a young woman entered the passageway. The first image that came to his mind was a lioness. Her hair was lighter than Philo's, backlit by the light from the atrium ceiling it shone in gold highlights. Her skin was honeyed. Her lips and cheeks glowed rose like a plump peach. Philo, Philo, you are entertaining a guest now? Mother wants you. Tritiana, this is... Gaius Vitellius Agolicus, he's come from Rome to bring a gift from Boethius. Titiana smiled. Let
0: me guess, a book. This reading of The Roman Air was produced by Kings River Life and directed by Lori Lewis Ham. The Roman Air is available for purchase. You can learn more about this book and the author on her website, zaraaltair.com. Check out Kings River Life magazine's websites for more mystery, local theater, animal rescue, and so much more, kingsriverlife.com and krlnews.com. Our theme song, The Blues, was written and played by Kevin Memley. Now we'll be back next time with another mystery short story or mystery first chapter. Subscribe to our podcast to make sure you don't miss a single episode. Subscribe to our podcast newsletter to get special interviews with the authors of the podcast stories and follow us on Twitter to keep up with everything KRL at Kings River Life. If you enjoy this episode, please rate or review it because this helps make us easier for others to find. If you'd like to help support this podcast and Kings River Life financially and get some fun perks, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash Kings River Life. Until next time, this is your announcer, Jim Tuck, wishing you a life full of mystery.